be reading Psalms 111 from the message. It'll be a little different than the few Bible, but I like the wording. Hallelujah. I give thanks to God with everything I've got. Wherever good people gather and in the congregation, God's works are so great. Worth a lifetime of study and endless enjoyment. Splendor and beauty mark his craft. His generosity never gives out. His miracles are his memorial, this God of grace, this God of love. He gave food to those who fear him. He remembered to keep his ancient promise. He proved to his people that he could do what he said. Hand them the nations on a platter, a gift. He manufactures truth and justice. All his products are guaranteed to last, never out of date, never obsolete, rust-proof. All that he makes and does is honest and true. He paid the ransom for his people. He ordered his covenant kept forever. He's so personal and holy, worthy of our respect. This good life begins in the fear of God. Do that, and you'll know the blessing of God. His alleluia lasts forever. The Gospel reading today is Matthew 26, 1 to 5. Uh, we'll be reading from the King James Version. It's found on page 916 in your pew Bible. And it came to pass, when Jesus had finished all these sayings, he said unto his disciples, Ye know that after two days in the feast of the Passover, and the Son of Man is betrayed to be crucified, then assembled together the chief priests, and the scribes, and the elders of the people under the palace of the high priest, who was called Caiaphas, and consulted that they might take Jesus by subtlety and kill him. But they said, Not until the feast day, lest there be an uproar among the people. You don't know how happy I am to be with you this morning. It's great to be back home again and uh, really enjoy the warm welcome of uh, everyone that I've got to talk to this morning. And uh, I wanted to let you know that I really appreciate uh, the feeling of being part of a church family. It's kind of sad, as I mentioned last time I was here about a year ago, that I, um, I dwell in a time and a place where I get all excited whenever a pastor's going on a vacation. Because that means maybe I'll get to speak, <laughs> get to be here. And, and so I'm, I'm thrilled that uh, your pastor and his wife are able to travel to Turkey and see all sorts of good things. My wife and I got to go there, so I'm, I'm excited for them because I know it, they're going to have a wonderful time. And it's so filled with history and, and uh, the experience of the church that they're going to come back with all sorts of great stuff to, to share with you. My heart is, is filled with joy to be with you this Sabbath, but it, it's being tugged another way when I, uh, when I turn on the TV or, or watch the, uh, what's going on in the newspaper in our world today. I thought just for a moment that it's sad that the, the newspaper, the front page is always reserved for whoever lost the most lives that particular day. And so I know your hearts are being tugged like mine is for, for all the people in Japan and all the heartache that they're going through and the difficulties and being bombarded from three different directions, a terrible earthquake and tsunami and also 
the, the potential for a, a nuclear uh, catastrophe. And so I know that you're keeping them in your prayers. I heard it already today. And, um, and I know that um, God is answering those prayers. I'm convinced that God has got better radar than we do, and He gets there before we do. But our prayers just reinforce uh, His desire to be there for individuals and to help people that are hurting. And then uh, I'm just amazed in, in, a, in a heartbreaking way, again, the loss of life that is going on in, in many places in, uh, in Libya, of course, Afghanistan and Iraq have taken a back seat <laughs> the last few days. Um, there's other areas. My mind just not pulling back up the names right now. I know Dubai has a problem um, and other places. And, and it doesn't look like it's an easy solution at all. But I was reflecting on all that was going on, and my mind took me back to Matthew and 24. And there will be room, wars and rumors of wars. <laughs> Loved ones, I think we're closer to Christ's return than we've ever been before. And I have a sense that His coming is soon. And I don't dread it. <laughs> I'm excited about it. Because what we find in Scripture tells us that He has gone ahead of place and prepared for us a place for Him to be with us, with Him so that we might be with Him always. I'd like to invite you, if you would, just to pray with me a short prayer and ask for the Holy Spirit to fall upon us today as we share His Scripture. Our dear Lord and Heavenly Father, I always feel completely unworthy to be able to share Your Word, and yet today I find myself with the privilege of being able to do so. And I would ask that your Holy Spirit would fall upon us so that we'd be able to hear your word carefully and you would fall upon me and send your, um, the gift of tongues so I'd be able to communicate well your message. I'd pray that, that you would come within and remove anything within me that would get in the way of being able to do this well. And that you would fall upon our congregation in a way that we would find something that we would be able to take home and share with others so that others would be able to, this week, find Jesus Christ. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to share with you again the scripture reading was done well. But it's got something in here that I find uh, really... Uh, made me think a lot this last week. This time of year is traditionally the time of year in Christian churches throughout the world when we focus on the great passion of Jesus Christ. We focus on the time that led up to His death and the resurrection. And what a joy that is. And when I thought about the opportunity of speaking with you, I immediately was taken to the book of Matthew. And the experience that Jesus had there. And in chapter 26, we find that what had gone on before is he had um, just been sharing and teaching with his disciples and people. <laughs> he had shared the story of the ten virgins 
he had uh, gone on to share some things that people needed to learn and know. Um, and then when he got done talking, <laughs> the scripture even recorded, he got done talking. <laughs> and it said, and it came about when Jesus had finished all the words, said everything he wanted to say, he had one thing to say to his disciples. He said, you know, that after two days, the Passover is coming, and the Son of Man is to be delivered up for crucifixion. There's a lot of times I've thought that I would like to have been with the disciples and with Jesus. I'd like to have heard him preaching. I'd like to have heard the stories. I'd like to have seen him raise the dead. I'd love to have seen the miracles. But I never really desired to be there for this. A movie was made a number of years ago on the crucifixion of Jesus. I couldn't bear to see it. I thought to myself it was worse. It was bad enough the first time, you know. Can't bear to go through that, see my Savior on that cross. And yet, I don't know if the disciples really understood fully what Jesus was saying. <coughs> I'm sorry. I wonder if someone would be so kind to get me a something, glass of water or something. <coughs> I think I am just getting over what everyone else has been having lately, so I'm fighting it. Um, and when, um, when Jesus said these words to the disciples, I thought they were probably excited about Passover. They've been through a Passover feast many times, and that must have been quite an experience. Oh, thank you, sweetie. <laughs> this one's safe, I know. <laughs> you have to push on something? Yeah. Thank you, honey. Um. I think the Feast of uh, Passover must have been an exciting thing because it was when people get to get, come together. And they come from all over the place. Thank you, Peter. Appreciate it. That's okay. I can get it. <laughs> um, and, and isn't it fun to get with people? And you haven't seen people for a whole year. You, you get to go to Jerusalem. You got to... Eat well and participate in all the programs and all the things going on. It would have been exciting for the disciples when he said, let's go to Jerusalem. Passover is just about ready to happen. But then he tacks on a few words that brought the whole thing into focus. The Son of Man is to be delivered up for crucifixion. It wasn't a new story. It wasn't a new concept. I'd like, if you would, for you to turn to me, turn with me, not turn to me, to uh, Exodus chapter 12. Exodus chapter 12 is really the beginning of Passover. And it's the reason why. If you look back in chapter 11, 
just flip back one page, you find in there the story of the, of the plagues. God was trying to get his people out of there, and Pharaoh was resistant. And the reality was that God had actually hardened his heart. I can't wait to ask him why someday. <laughs> but probably to create the whole storyline so that people could learn from this. They'd gone through the plagues, and this was the very last one. In chapter 11, towards the back, last of that chapter, it begins to say that there's going to be a horrible thing happen. I'm going to cause the firstborn of every living thing to pass away, to die. And then in chapter 12, it begins explaining what's going to happen to those who do what God asks them to do. Every living firstborn thing, from the beetle and ant on the ground to the the cow and the cat and every human being. Can you imagine that? If the other plagues weren't bad, this one's a heartbreak. Why the firstborn? In biblical times, the firstborn child was the one in which the whole family name property and everything passes on. This was the special person in the lineage of a family. You lose the very best you have. But you're going to find as we read along here that there's another reason the firstborn was indicated. Look to chapter 12. In chapter 12 it says, Now the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall be the beginning of of months for you. It is to be the first month of the year to you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of the month they are each one to take a lamb. Take a lamb for themselves according to their father's households. A lamb for each household. Now if the household is too small for a lamb, then... He and his neighbor nearest to his house are to take one according to the number of persons in them, according to what each man should eat. You are to divide the lamb according to what each man can eat. Your lamb shall be an unblemished male. Unblemished male. A year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the fourteenth day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel is to kill it at twilight. Interesting. Moreover, they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lentil of the house in which they eat it, and they shall eat the flesh the same night, roasted with fire, and they shall eat it with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled at all with water, but rather roasted with fire, both its head and its legs along with its entrails, the whole thing. (laughs) 
and you shall not leave any of it over until morning. But whatever is left of it until morning you shall burn with fire, and you shall eat it in this manner, with your loins girded, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover." Now, as I read along, did you begin to reflect a little bit on some of the words and say, who does this apply to? Yeah, it does, doesn't it? You know, the amazing thing to me as I read this, this was, this was written approximately 1,580 years before the death of Jesus Christ. I got to thinking, oh, if you subtract 1,580 from the time that we live in today, you're going back to the the dark ages, aren't you? The um, Way back there. And, and hardly any of us could relate to that at all. That much time had passed between the two. The reality is that God had been planning this in detail. Probably thousands of years before He told Moses about it, and Passover was done. (laughs) And and more than uh, 1,580 years till Jesus was going to come and fulfill this prophecy. Your Savior and your God loves you so much, (laughs) He has left nothing to chance. Every step, every movement along the way, he has been there. And he planned for every eventuality, and he made it happen just exactly as it was said it was going to happen. Sometimes I wonder quietly, Is it real? (laughs) Or is it just a great story? And then I read things like this and I say, ah, it couldn't be anything but absolutely real. (laughs) No human being could have created a situation like this. It couldn't have happened exactly. I know some people that are pretty good at guessing stuff. And every once in a while they get lucky but God didn't guess. It's for real, for you and me. And here's what he planned. He planned that his son would fulfill this prophecy that Passover was all about. If you look back here, there's some interesting things that go on here. He says that each one of us should take a lamb. And Jesus was the what of God? He was a lamb of God. The lamb was shed shed back then in a sacrifice to forgive sins, and yet Jesus comes and dies, and what does he do to our sins? (laughs) They're gone, aren't they? Forgiven, buried in the deepest sea. 
And then he goes on, he says, not only do you take yourself a lamb, but you take it for each household. And if your household isn't big enough to eat a whole lamb, then you get your neighbors over there and you roast it complete, complete. Um, my wife said, I wonder if they skinned it first. I said, no, I think they roasted it. <laughs> really roasted it. And everyone was there to eat it together. And the interesting thing is that they were to, well, they were to eat it. What happens when you eat something? Where does it go? It goes inside, doesn't it? It's interesting to me that symbolically it seems to me that what God was trying to say is, I want you to internalize the experience of my gift to Jesus Christ so that it will become a part of you. <laughs> Not something you just, you just thought, think about or talk about. It's, it actually is a part of you. Later in John he says, I want to abide with you and within you. <laughs> So evidently it was God's plan all along that he desired that Christ become a part of us. That we would have him not only in our heart, but he'd be internalized and be really a part of us. Then he goes, and, and of course he's an unblemished lamb because our Savior Jesus Christ is the only one that was unblemished in life, right? I've tried hard to be good but I failed many times. My wife can tell you that. Jesus is the only one that was able to live a life without sin. He did that for us. The unblemished lamb, the one that you internalized. And then he's, they said, once you've, um, you've roasted this, I want, well, I want you to assemble together and you actually don't roast it. You start at twilight. Now, when was Jesus... When did he pass away? <laughs> Friday afternoon, probably. And they say right after he passed away, they quickly took him to the tomb because the Sabbath was upon them. And so, <laughs> so many years before... It was going to happen right at that time. And moreover, it said, they shall take some of the blood, some of the blood of the lamb, place it on the doorpost and the lentil. Now, I'm not sure what the lentil was. I kind of thought it was the like uh, you would have over a fireplace, kind of like that, like a cupboard or, or a shelf-like thing. I'm not sure. Is that above the door? Eric, above the door, and, um, and mark it with blood. Now, we know historically that when Passover happened, the avenging angel <laughs> flew over, and every house that did not have these marks on, they lost the oldest son, the oldest cat, <laughs> the oldest cow. It was the next morning must have been a terrifying sound throughout all of Egypt when people found that they'd been lost. But the interesting thing was those who had followed God and put the blood of the unblemished lamb 
at their front door, there was salvation. There was salvation. So the reality of Passover is it's not just about death. It's really about salvation. And it's saying if you trust in the blood, which is that death of Jesus Christ, the unblemished lamb, you will be okay. You will be saved. And then Jesus says to the disciples, it's time for Passover. We got to go up there because my crucifixion is coming. If the disciples had known really what it was all about, their hearts would have been torn because they would have been breaking over the loss of their Savior that walked with them every single day and taught them and they could feel Him and touch Him. But on the other hand, their heart should have been filled with joy at the reality that this is another step in a closer experience to being able to be with Jesus Christ forever and ever. Because this signaled the salvation of all who would trust in Him, trust enough to claim His blood above the door. Now, it's interesting to me that it went above the door because in Scripture it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. (laughs) If anyone opens it up to me, (laughs) I will come in. The reality is we often equate that with the heart, don't we? If you just open your heart to Jesus Christ, He'll come in. If you open your life to Jesus Christ, He will come in. If you open your mind to Jesus Christ, He'll come in. And the reason I think it went above that door was because it was signifying to us that that's the place you come in. Salvation through the Lamb comes through the door. The angel that takes away and kills and destroys doesn't come through the door. It doesn't get in. And so over and over in this, I find it talking about the reality of, um, of, of Jesus Christ and His salvation. Even when it says uh, roast it, that's what they did in ceremonial, in offerings all along. He um, said take it completely. Take it all of it. <laughs> that's got something to teach us, doesn't it? And then it goes on and says eat it in this manner together, internalize it, don't leave any of it behind, take all of it, and then, and then it goes on to share just unbelievable insights. When I think of this time of year and thinking about what Christ has done for us, I'm humbled, but I am thrilled at the same time. Loved ones, I am really convinced that you mean everything to God. There isn't a rock that he hasn't turned over. There isn't a day he hasn't been concerned for you personally. There isn't a step that you've taken that he hasn't tried to make easier. 
There hasn't been a time when your heart is breaking that he isn't long to be there for you and change things. I'm convinced that a lot of things that we go through in this life today become, if we take them with Jesus Christ, those things that make our personalities be more like his. And that the reason that he does that is not only for us because he loves all his creations and he's so hopeful that somehow someone will be touched by you for him. And so he says, come with me to Passover. I'm going to give my life for you. I'm going to hang on that cross that you should have hung on. I'm going to enter that grave that you should have entered. But I'm going to be resurrected the way that I have planned for you to be resurrected. It says, let not your heart be troubled. If you believe in God, believe in me. I want you to be able to go with me to the place where I have prepared a home for you. That I'll never have to be separated from you ever, ever again. But I can live out eternity with those that I created and love so much and get such a kick out of. And we can run and we can leap and we can fly, and we can joy with each other, and sing, and play, and, and we can have a great time together forever, and ever, and ever. That's why the lamb was roasted. That's why my son has died. I want you back home. Don't you want to go? What a wonderful thing he's done for us. Each one of us as individuals. What a wonderful thing to look forward to. Let's pray. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, it seems to me today that your coming is very, very soon. We've watched through many years of all sorts of things happening and we probably think to ourselves, what next? What could be worse than this? You've outlined that you're coming soon. You've showed us in prophecy what will take place. Certainly this looks like one of those times. Thank you, Lord, for being close. Hold us tight. Lift us up. Help us walk. Put within our hearts the best of intentions and the best of decisions. Don't let us wander. Be with us. Until that day, we'll see you again. And we thank you for promising our salvation. In Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.